actually really appreciate that prayer and it's something that we're going to be getting into in our message this morning. Two weeks ago, who, who can remember two weeks ago? It seems like a lot's happened in two weeks. Two weeks ago, we started this series on the book of 2 Timothy. It's a, it's a precious letter. I love this letter and it's a letter that Paul writes to Timothy from prison. He's facing a time of turmoil and persecution and strangeness in the church. And Paul writes this letter to Timothy to encourage him. He gives him directions on how to live and lead in the difficult circumstances that he is facing in the church in Ephesus. It's not a coincidence that we're looking at the book of 2 Timothy at this time. We're we're facing some difficult circumstances too. Many of you facing them personally, as Stefan's just prayed about and we've brought to God. But we're facing this time of uncertainty in the world. I don't know about you, I do this all the time, but has, have any of you ever walked into a room, usually at home, and then suddenly realised you have no idea why you were there? Yeah. And you're sure that there's some purpose behind you walking into the room, but you can't for the life of you figure it out. I don't know if you're like me. I stand there for a good minute just going, what on earth was I doing here before I eventually give up and uh, figure out if it's important, I'll think of it again. Um, I feel like our world is a bit like that at the moment. There's this sense of having walked into this space um, with a vague sense of our purpose and why we're here, but not for the life of us being being able to work out how to actually do it or do it well. It's this strange time of transition in the world. It's a time of upheaval. And my message to you this morning is that in times like this, God is wanting to speak and lead his people. Paul writes to Timothy and encourages him. And in this letter, God is encouraging us how to live in this time. This is how it starts. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus the Lord. I, um, so I'm not going to go through the whole of chapter 1. We've got part of it up on the screen. But um, Paul writes to my dear son. He sends grace and mercy. I thank God for you, he says. Why? Because of your sincere faith. Um, He goes on to tell him, fan your gift into flame. Be strong in the power of the Holy Spirit. Join with me in serving the gospel. Follow my example of following Jesus and even if that means suffering for what is good. And then in chapter 2 where we're going to start this morning, he, he actually starts to get specific. So that's where I want to spend time this morning. You may feel like you've worked into this room and you've got a vague sense of why you're there but not really being able to grapple it. Paul writes to Timothy and says, right, Timothy, in this time, this is what you need to do. So uh, let's start at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Timothy, this is what you are to do. Be strong in the grace of Jesus. As I was preparing my message this week, that verse really jumped out at me. I want to spend some time just sitting with it for a minute. It says, be strong in the grace of Jesus. Not strong in purpose. Not strong in mind or will. Strong in grace. It's so interesting to put those two words together. That that is the strength that we need at this time. Strength in the grace and love of God. Following on from the example of Jesus. Leaning on the strength that he gives to us and having that strength in the way that we relate to others. Be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. One of the great blessings of this time that we're in is that it is a time when we can be strong in the grace of Jesus. We have an opportunity to do that. He says to Timothy, be strong in the grace of Jesus. See yourself with the unmerited love of God and see others with that same viewpoint. Look at the world through the eyes of our gracious God at this time. Don't be discouraged. Know that God is for you and for this world and in that spirit. Hang in there and do what you can. It's great encouragement. But then he goes on and he gives him a job to do. He's like, right, that's what you need to do, but here is what I'm charging you to, Timothy. 2 Timothy 2.2 is one of the most easy to remember um, references in the Bible. It's also one of my favorite verses in the Bible because in it, Paul gives this charge to Timothy. He says, Timothy, teach others. Pass on the, the faith to them. Um, Paul says to Timothy, what you've learned from me, pass on to others who will be qualified to teach others. There's actually four generations in view in this letter. I, I love that um, long-term thinking that is present in this letter. Put it into practice in your life, he says, and then pass it on to others who will also be able to pass it on to others. Um, So there's four generations there, Paul, Timothy, those he's going to teach, and then those that they're going to teach. And what I love about this passage is that this chain that started with Jesus, went through Paul and Timothy, actually comes right down to this current time. We are sitting here this morning because someone passed on the faith to us. Someone was an example to us. And our call is to grow up in that faith and pass it on to others who will be qualified to pass it on to other people. This here is actually Jesus' blueprint. We've, we've just sung a song about how God so loved the world that he came. But when he came, one of the really interesting things that he did was not love the world. 
That sounds very strange. I, uh, I need to explain that a little bit. Jesus loved a specific people at a specific time. He particularly invested in 12 people. In fact, within that 12, there's a group of three that Jesus dearly loved. And what he did was invest his time in those people, not so that they'd know that he loved them, but so that they would know how he lived his life, how he loved other people, and so that they could go and do the same and pass it on to others who would do the same and pass it on to others who would do the same. Jesus didn't come and say, I'm here, I'm going to solve all your problems. Here we go and see you later. He came and said, I'm going to teach you how to live in the ways of the kingdom and not only that, but to pass that on to others so that we can together transform the world. When he left, he said, it's good for me to go so that the Spirit will come and so that you will see the fruit and the multiplication that comes when this kingdom goes from being just about me to being about a people who will then grow it into something that spans the world. In other words, are you with me? Yeah, I I find it fascinating. We sing that God so loved the world, but God was very, Jesus was very focused on the particular people in his life. And we're meant to do the same because Jesus' kingdom is about multiplication. He, he talked about it constantly. He talked about a farmer who went out to sow seeds and saw a crop 30, 60 or 100 times what was sown. He told the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he said, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers out into his harvest field. Um, Our prayer at the start, thank you, Stefan, was that we would see the fruitfulness that comes from faithfully following Jesus, trusting him and passing on to the next generation, that we would see that fruitfulness come in this place. As a leadership, as we met this week, we, we talked about our desire to see that grow more and more, for this to be a fruitful church that passes on our faith to the next generation who are strong in grace and clear in purpose. This this charge that Paul gives to Timothy, this mission that Jesus gave to the church to be his witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria and to the ends of the earth, that started with these guys and it's been entrusted to us. And God's reminder to us this morning is this isn't a strange time that we're in. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to grow in strength and grace of Jesus. It's an opportunity to show that to the world. It requires leadership, but something is happening in this world that has highlighted the fact that the thing that matters is the kingdom of God and the grace of Jesus. We're in a world where it's becoming clear that all those things that we kind of used to find our joy and our life in don't hold particularly well. We can't travel and go around the world and see the world. Uh, We're stuck at home with lots of stuff, but we're realising that actually the stuff isn't the important thing. It's actually 
about relationships and the hope that you have within you. I think um, Jesus would again look at this world and say the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he'd say, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers out into the harvest field. Guess who are the primary people he's um, preparing to do that? It's us, yeah. It's really hard to give feedback when you're wearing masks, isn't it? I quite like it, Kerry. <laughs> um, Jesus, when he um, ascended into heaven, he entrusted us with a couple of things. He entrusted us with his mission. He said, I am sending you as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Go and be my witnesses. Go make disciples. But he also entrusted us with his authority. He said, um, you are no longer my servants, but my friends. Ask anything of the Father and he will give it to you. The relationship that I have with the Father, you now have. The authority that I carry, you now carry. Um, if you have faith, you can say to a, uh, well, it's basically a bush. I talked about a bush and a mountain. You can say to a bush, stand up, walk into the sea and plant yourself there. Or you can say to a mountain, get up and throw yourself into the sea. Now, that was a hyperbole because no one actually needs to move a bush miraculously. <laughs> but as Jesus um, is telling us, I have given you authority and power to be able to speak to the Father and ask him to do the things that I did. And God has given those things so that you will be fruitful, so that you can grow in your maturity and your knowledge of him and so that you can pass that on to the next generation who will be able to then pass it on to others. So that's the big picture we have the authority of Jesus Christ. He's entrusted us with his mission. He's called us to go make disciples who can make disciples. That's what um, Paul writes to Timothy and reminds him of, even in this time. That's a call on you, Timothy. But then he gets a little bit more specific on what we need to do. And he, he actually gives three images, and I just want to share these with you quickly. He gives... These three images. He said, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying. For the Lord will give you insight into all of this. So the first image that Jesus gives us is a soldier. I feel like this image is a bit of a dangerous one uh, because we are not called to be strong in might. We are called to be strong in the grace of God. So we want to be careful that we don't take from this that our job is to fight. The thing that Paul actually 
wants to tell us about a soldier is that soldiers have only one job to do. They don't just get distracted by anything other than following the orders of their commanding officer. Soldiers are focused. They don't have lots of things on their agenda. They just have one. They do what is before them. Uh, Ava's not here this morning. That's fantastic. I can talk about her as much as I want. Uh, We talk about focus a bit in our house. Uh, You may guess why. Um, Focus is important. Uh, I was reading a book. It's called Eat That Frog. It's by Brian um, Tracy. And in it, he says this. He says, Throughout my career, I've discovered and rediscovered a simple truth. The ability to concentrate single-mindedly on your most important task, to do it well and to finish it completely, is the key to great success, achievement, respect, status and happiness in life. Jesus calls us to be focused. Focused on the kingdom without getting distracted. I, um, I really resonate with that idea of focus. This uh, interesting thing about me, and some of you are tarred with the same brush here, I can be extremely focused. It's just that I have to make sure I'm focused on the right thing. And Paul says to Timothy, focus on the right thing. Focus on the kingdom of God. Be successful in that. It's so easy to get distracted and we live in a world... Sorry, I, I know I sound a bit um, antagonistic or something when I say we live in a world, but this is incredibly true. Never have we lived with so much distraction, with so many things that are um, aimed at us to distract us. I I noticed this about myself, like the last couple of years during COVID haven't been kind to me because I found myself getting distracted by more and more things, looking for distraction. And one of the things coming out of this time, one of the things I want to do that goes against the flow is to be focused, focused on the thing that actually matters, which is obedient to Jesus, fruitfulness in his kingdom. I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back on it and say, man, I did a whole bunch of things that don't really matter. I'll look back on my life and say, I focused on the things that were important and I saw good things, fruit, happen. All right. Second image is an uh, athlete. Uh, who's, been, who's sad that the Olympics is over? Yeah, me too. I've, I've loved watching, watching the Olympics. I don't know if you saw the end of the decathlon. Did anyone see the... Um, I think it was a... How far was the run at the end of the... 1,500-metre race at the end of the decathlon. Two Australian guys. It was incredible. One of the um, competitors knew that he was out of the running for a medal from Australia... So he just ran beside the Australian guy who had a chance and just coached him the whole way. I, 
I, I love it because it's running as well, but there's one point during that race where he said, go, you've got to go. You've got to um, keep going as hard as you can and he just sends him off on the last 200 metres. I can't remember the names of the guys. I'm sorry about that. Someone here will. But the guy who didn't have a chance was running his race and when his mate, who had a chance of getting the bronze and actually got the bronze, was getting near the finish line, this other guy actually stopped on the racetrack so he could watch him cross the finish line. He wanted to make sure his mate had got in with the time, even though he himself was in the middle of a race. And then he started running again so that he could finish his own race. I love that. I think that's an incredible image for what Paul is talking about here. Pass on to the next generation. Focus on the right thing. His focus wasn't on himself and everything else that was going on around him. It was on getting this mate on his team across the line so he could win the medal. Incredible. Paul says to us, be like an athlete. The thing that we don't see in the Olympic Games is all of the stuff that goes beforehand. <laughs> it's the five years, the ten years leading up to the Olympics that you don't see. Well, it was five years this year. <laughs> Keeping me on my toes, Kerry. It's normally four. I feel like this year's Olympics is going to be a great quiz question in a couple of years. When was the 2020 Olympics held? That's a uh, really good question. Paul's point with the athlete, he says, um, compete according to the rules. He's actually telling us that there's something important about the way athletes train. They train themselves to be well-oiled machines at doing one task. They train themselves to do it according to good practice, good rhythm. I'm a runner, I'm not a good runner, and part of the reason I'm not a good runner is because I don't have good form. Uh, we've got lots of basketballers here as well, and uh, in basketball, your shot is often not about getting the ball through the hoop, especially when you're learning and at this age. Your shot is much more about working on your form so that you've got a good action in your shot that can then be developed so that you'll be really effective once you get there. So it's, it's about actually learning how to do things well developing the muscle, developing the habit, developing the reflex so that you follow the rules by instinct, so that you run in the most efficient way, that you've ingrained that in yourself. Paul says, learn how to follow Jesus like that so that you do it on instinct, so that it's ingrained. Um, they, they talk about these uh, stages of learning where you go from uh, not actually knowing that you have something to learn to knowing that there's something to learn and you've got no idea how to do it to knowing how to do something but having to concentrate really hard to do it the right way to then forgetting again because you've just uh, internalised that. 
For example, I know how to drive a car. I know how to drive a car in such a way that I can get in a car and not even pay any attention to what I'm doing. Like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I pay attention. But I don't have to... I don't have to um, will myself to do that. I don't have to be on high alert to do it. I know how to do it. I've, I've practiced and I've trained. When I first hop in the car, I didn't have to do... I couldn't do that. I had to think about every single little thing I was doing. Paul is saying to us, develop the habit of following Jesus. Pay attention to how you follow Jesus. Put yourself in those places where you sharpen up those skills that you need to so that you can do it by instinct and set a good example for those who are coming after you. All right, I'm going to keep moving. The third image is a farmer. Uh, I'm not really sure I could be a farmer. Um, Not because I wouldn't like wearing a hat. Um, I don't think I have the nerve for it. Being a farmer is a nerve-wracking thing. You spend a lot of money and time just putting stuff into the ground with the trust that it's going to be fruitful, with the trust that it's going to grow. You work hard day after day and there are no guarantees that you'll reap a reward at the end. But farmers get up every morning and do what they need to do with the confidence that the fruit is going to be there at the end of the season. I'm not sure I could handle that pressure. But Paul gives us this example, this illustration, to tell us to do the same thing. Focus. Uh, Be patient. Don't be discouraged. But through perseverance, keep at following Jesus and you will see a harvest at the end. There are times in following Jesus, maybe you've bumped into those times over the last little while, where it seems like it's really hard. Where it seems like you're not actually moving forward. And Paul tells us, be patient. Be diligent. Hang in there and you'll see a harvest at the end. Paul says, dwell on these things. Reflect on them. Live the kind of life where you focus on what matters, where you practice and develop that instinct of following Jesus, where you persevere and are patient and see a harvest 30, 60, or 100 times what was sown. That's what we're to do. Uh, In good seasons, and even more so in difficult ones like this, with the confidence that God is actually at work in these times. All right, I'm going to just finish now, but um, I I wanted to share with you the last um, little paragraph from 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. 
Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant, grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Paul says to Timothy, here's what you need to do. Make disciples who will make disciples. Be focused on it. Be diligent in it. Practice it. And then the last little thing he says to him is, and make sure you get your attitude right. Attitude makes an incredible difference. How you do something is almost important as what you are doing. So Paul writes to Timothy and says, be kind. Even when you're tired. It's easy to cut corners or get resentful or trying to rush seeing the fruit that God brings and get frustrated when it doesn't come. He says, whatever you do, when you're being patient, when you're leading, when you're being focused, be kind. Even when people are evil or stupid. Because all of us were at one stage and God was gracious with us. He says to him, um, teach. There's a big difference between giving people instructions and teaching them. Um, I'm learning that as I parent my kids, that it's one thing to tell them what to do, it's another thing to get alongside them and help them to understand and help them to learn. And Paul says to Timothy, have that attitude of teaching others, wanting to see them understand, not just toe the line. He says to not be resentful that's the thing about being strong in grace. If you're constantly strong in grace, it's easy to be resentful because grace is God's unmerited love. And Paul says to Timothy, don't fall into the trap of getting bitter. Be thankful and joyful that God has called us into his purpose and live out of that rather than feeling like it's an obligation. Be content with who you are and what you've had and be joyful when other people grow in who they are and what they have. Correct those who are going astray. Invest in those who have capacity and heart. And be wise and peaceful as you go about it. So, that's a challenge for us. There's a lot in there. I'm going to stop and pray now, but I'd love you to pay attention to what the Spirit of God may be saying to you this morning. Is there something that you need to do? Whether that's focus, whether that's practice, whether that's to be patient and hang in there, or is there an attitude that you need to develop, whether that's kindness or a spirit of being teaching, of teaching, or whether it's um, not growing resentful, and bitter, being joyful. Whatever the thing is that God is challenging you in, pay attention to that and put it into practice so that we can be fruitful, so that we can be mature, so that we can live a life worth passing on to the next generation. And we've got an incredible next generation here at Glen Osmond, so this stuff really matters. So I'm going to pray. Why don't you pray with me? 
Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you have called us into your kingdom, that you call us friends, not servants, that you have entrusted us with the authority um, of your kingdom and with the purpose of your kingdom. Lord, may we take that trust and live it out well. Help us as a community to be focused, but also as individuals in our lives to focus on the things that matter. Help us to be diligent and to practice kindness and love and grace. And thank you for the gift of one another and that in this community, part of what you're doing is giving us an opportunity to practice grace and peace. Thank you for our diversity. Thank you for the challenges that we face and in them that you are strengthening us and preparing us for fruit. And Lord Jesus, we, uh, we pray to that we uh, might be patient in this time. May we stand and wait and know that you are preparing and doing something below the surface. May we partner with you in that. May we foster it. And may we see your kingdom and your fruit come in our lives and in this place. Amen.